Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health here in Toronto. Cutting-edge, state-of-the-art, compassionate facility. Right now, it is Mental Health Awareness Week. This is the time when they need you most. This is the time when you can make a real difference when it comes to doing something about the mental health crisis and the devastating opioid epidemic, the overdose epidemic that we're currently experiencing, losing 20 people every day. They need your help. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help CAMH treat addiction and build hope. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. Comes with a 20-year warranty and a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. A Toronto journalist is in hiding. He will not do media appearances or attend public events out of fear for his safety. He released a statement, though, and I want to read you some of this. This is a rough translation of the words of Xin Feng, a writer for the popular Chinese-Canadian website 51.ca. As a columnist in the Chinese-Canadian media, I contributed a critique on a diplomatic incident in Ottawa. To my surprise, my contribution set fire in the Chinese community. Most expressed agreement with my article. But some comments brought about personal attacks, even to death threats. There's a saying, I dispute your viewpoints, but I defend your expression. The majority of Chinese Canadians come from mainland China, which is currently under authoritarian governance, where universal human rights are still under oppression. I'm among them. I came for enjoyment of freedom from fear. I came for human esteem. I enjoy freedom of expression. I do not want to see the nightmare again. I call on our Canadian media peers that we should be vigilant upon the ominous indication in the Chinese-Canadian community. It is contagious. So this situation with Xin Feng was not an isolated incident. A popular columnist who writes under the name Gao Bing Chen also wrote critically about the same diplomatic incident. The angry remarks made by China's foreign minister on his recent trip to Canada. 
He made them when he was challenged by the Canadian press about China's human rights record. Gao Bingchen lost his column for criticizing China's foreign minister, a column that he had been writing for 10 years. There's more still. All of this, by the way, documented in The Globe and Mail by Craig Offman and Nathan Vanderclip. Last summer, the editor of the Canadian Chinese Post was fired after she published a column by a writer named Jonathan Fawn. Now, in all three cases, the writers and editors who were targeted said that the blowback did not simply come from members of the Chinese-Canadian community. Instead, they all believe that the consequences they suffered were directly the result of influence and control that the Communist Party of China in Beijing has over the Canadian Chinese press. Now, since Xin Feng has gone into hiding, he's been represented by Jonathan Fawn, who I mentioned earlier. Jonathan is a journalist, and he is also a paralegal here in Toronto. And Jonathan Fawn joins me in a moment. Wait for it. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Jean-Claude Hauschkorn, Les Wong, Benjamin King, Evelyn Hornbeck, Sheena Gibbs, Sarah Dion, Mike Gifford, and Therese Taylor. Therese, why did you decide to be awesome? Mainstream media is really just too tight with corporate Canada and the status quo. And independent media like Canada Land helps shake up the media establishment. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, It's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody, half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away. But often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does help. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars. And I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool. doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer, and it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. This episode is also brought to you by Camp Tech. Camp Tech provides workshops for grown-ups who want to learn how to do computers better. 
I was just talking to somebody who was like trying to decide whether or not they're going to have to fire their assistant because this incredibly competent person just won't learn digital skills. And I think it's not just older people, like even those of us who are digitally literate, we have these blind spots. Like we never learn how to use, I don't know, analytics or spreadsheets. And it, it sort of gets filed under that same category that a lot of older people file all of digital skills. I think that that's bullshit. It is not too late to learn. It is never too late to learn. You might want to try a Camp Tech course because Camp Tech offers half day to full day digital skill workshops and you just learn practical stuff hands on with very friendly and competent instructors. And because we increasingly need to know this stuff for our jobs, Camp Tech is now offering certificates, certificates that prove that you have the skills to do this stuff. It shows your employers what you know. We're also really, really happy to put an instructor in a car, on a plane, on a train, anywhere, and we'll send them to you so that they can really get a sense of what you're doing in-house with your own stuff. It stops being theoretical and just starts being really practical. If you have a blind spot or if you're in between jobs and you need to beef up your resume, these courses start at $85. Again, it's a half day to a full day course. Go to camptech.ca right now. The courses are offered in Toronto, Vancouver, and in Ottawa. Check it out now, camptech.ca. This episode is also brought to you by Casper Mattresses. Casper, of course, makes obsessively engineered mattresses, and they offer them at shockingly fair prices. They have gotten rid of the big showroom. They have gotten rid of this idea that you've got to test out 20 mattresses. No, they've figured out the most comfortable mattress. I sleep on one every night. I can vouch for this mattress. It combines springy latex and supportive memory foam to create an award-winning sleep surface with just the right sink and just the right bounce. Time Magazine, mattress experts apparently, named it one of the best inventions of 2015. In fact, it is now the most awarded mattress of the decade. I have not been to the Mattress Awards, but I believe that this is true. They offer free shipping and returns in Canada. This is a wonderful feature, by the way. You can try it for 100 nights. They send it to you in a box. Try it for 100 nights, risk-free in your own home. And if you do not love it, they will pick it up and refund you everything. These mattresses, my friends, are made in America. More to the point, they are very reasonably priced and you'll get $50 off of these reasonable prices if you go to casper.com slash CanadaLand right now and use the offer code CanadaLand towards the purchase of a mattress. 50 bucks off an already cheap and wonderful mattress that has made my sleeping life a lot better. Terms and conditions apply. Casper.com slash CanadaLand. Check it out. You know, for real people, it's funny. Like when you say, where are you from? We don't think as a geographically See, it's a surrounding from the north, and then from China or from Shanghai. Like that way, you know, that, that means typically psychological a mind of a newcomers. They right. still haven't uh, settled down yet, I think. From, yeah. Not here. You thought I was asking, what, are you from China or not? The first instinct, yes. I said, well, what the kind of question I have to prepare to give the answer. No, I, I mean, which neighborhood are you coming from? Yeah, no, I say, I, no, I say I'm from north. I don't say <laughs> I'm from the, across the Pacific. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you in on a secret. I kind of knew you were originally from China. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> you were originally from New York in China? <laughs> uh, what part of China? Where, uh, Shanghai. From Shanghai, okay. Yeah. Let's start with, uh, yeah. with uh, what, what happened most recently. Okay, sure. So, Jonathan, you, you are a paralegal. I'm a paralegal license. And you are uh, Xin Feng's uh, uh, friend. We know each other more than 10 years. You have been speaking to the media about Xin Feng 
because uh, he does not feel safe to do that himself. That's correct. Because I'm just saying, I used the word as an attorney, not like a legal counsel, legal representative on himself, because he feels scared to be exposed to the public. People know him. Suppose at the night that people follow him, or give him a stone or give him a spitter or, or even give him a knife. So, so he still feels scared and that uh, his wife is not feel comfort. Scary. He is a Canadian. He, like me, from Shanghai. But he lives here. Yes, he lives here. He's a Canadian. Yes. Why would he need to be afraid of somebody stabbing him if he comes and speaks on this podcast? You know, don't want trouble, trouble before trouble troubles you. You know, the people should have wisdom and the smart. It wouldn't be wise for him to invite. Should avoid some incident happen. That's much more a wise, a smart issue. A right. Behavior. More yeah. wise to avoid an incident. So let's back up and start at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, Feng was a columnist, a writer yeah. for... 51CA is a website. So and what is 51CA? It's a website, it's a Chinese language website? It's a, have a popular uh, circulation in the Chinese community. You can pick it, copy at a supermarket around a Friday afternoon or Friday morning. However, he has a, enjoyed very much uh, population is in the website. Most so, people read it online, but they have a weekly print edition as yes, well. Yes, you're right. Okay. And what did uh, Xin Feng write that resulted in these death threats and now he feels like he can't make public appearances? Because he gave the comment on the uh, <laughs> that's a funny performance or outrageous performance about the Chinese foreign minister, uh, Mr. Wang Yi. People don't like to say that. And say, hey, this is not good behavior. Even you are a, a veteran diplomat, you should be nice because you represent the face, the image of your country, your state, actually. So you should like a well-educated, a scholastic person present even the points people don't enjoy, don't people love it, but you have to to send or sell your words in a very kind of way, not like this. And what you're referring to is the recent uh, visit of the Chinese foreign minister, uh, Wang Yi, where uh, um, a reporter from iPolitics questioned him about uh, China's human rights record, especially since there's a Canadian who's detained in China Yeah, that's true, as a Kevin Garrett. And other Chinese Canadians hostage or or kidnapped from outside of of the sovereignty of the Chinese. Who was? Dr. Wang, um, kidnapped from Thailand. From Thailand. And the other one in Chinese called Yu Sanjiang. And he is the person living at the Xinjiang uh, special region. And he also had has the Canadian citizenship. Yeah. And he was kidnapped from the, the neighboring country from China. So these two is also Canadian citizenship. So they're Canadians. They're Canadians. Uh, they're Canadians. And, and, and you say that they, they were uh, were kidnapped. And then and then Mr. Garrett was within China. For 15 years already. And, and was and is, is also a prisoner. So this reporter was saying, what about these people's human rights and what about the wider issue of human rights in China? Yeah. And just to remind our, our listeners, uh, the Chinese foreign minister ber- Actually, this berated. question is not a directed to Mr. Wang Yi. Actually, the lady offered a question to Stephen Devon. The question, she asked Stephen Dion the question? Yes, and uh, suddenly <laughs> the Mr. Chinese foreign minister 
jump in, took out his job and spread such kind of fuzzy words. Oh, I, you know, I, I must have missed that in the That's original report. That's very deep. Yeah, you haven't noticed the details like that. So she asked Stefan Dion and then the Chinese foreign minister. Jump I, in. He jumped in. It's not in. business, actually. No, right, not his business. Well, I, I, I certainly did read his response, which was he said this was a, a, a prejudiced, arrogant question. She had no business asking this question. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Stefan Dion just sort of stood there. Yeah, that's right. You, you, you got it. You, you catch the sight. Yeah. So I don't want to get a blame on the Mr. Devon because I think he is a veteran diplomat. A, a veteran diplomat. He was, veteran he was being diplomat. very diplomatic. But. Yeah, I, I can guess from his record that he has a foreign minister in the previous uh, liberal federal government. Okay. Yeah. Uh, He's received some criticism that it would have been appropriate for him to have said something. Uh, I think for him, in such a scene, you cannot lose your control and put a finger at his counterpart from China, say, oh no, shut up. This is not your (laughs) home, okay? Yeah. Not his place to jump in. I mean, this is debatable. I would say that Stefan Dion would have been well within his position as a diplomat to say, look, you've got our citizens imprisoned. We have a tradition of a free press in this country. That, That question is the kind of question that gets asked here. So he didn't do that. Uh, he didn't say anything. But okay, to get back to the narrative here, Xin Feng in his column did say something. Yeah. He, he offered uh, a rebuke to the Chinese foreign minister. And then in res- there was such a backlash, as I understand it, to what he wrote that he received death threats. That's right. Two items, two entries on, uh, on there. And, and then what did 51.ca do? They want to cover the incidents. For the Kevin Lee editor-in-chief, Yeah. He just want to smooth down the incident. No more get bigger. Smooth it over. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and, and Xin Feng uh, has issued a statement saying, uh, I'll, I'll read from a, a statement that he put out, mm. uh, the translation. There's a saying, I dispute your viewpoints, but I defend the expression of viewpoints. Yeah. Yeah. Such rough and abusive manner and even criminal behavior, he's referring to the comments he received, represent yeah. an invasion yeah. of evil ideology contaminating the Canadian common values, namely democracy and freedom. I call on our Canadian media peers that we should be vigilant upon the ominous indication in the Chinese community it is contagious and infectious to undermine the Canadian basic values. I mean, it's pretty... uh, He's responding to some pretty uh, troubling comments that he received on Mm 51.ca. Somebody commented, I've already reached uh, the the boss at 51.ca, uh, and I have received Xin Feng's address, planned to go to his home and slaughter the man. It is not a man, but a pig, to slaughter the pig. And the other commenter uh, said, be careful uh, or you'll have your family slaughtered in all. Be careful if you're out. Yeah. Uh, I mean, th- those types of uh, threats are against the law in Canada. In our country, in our society, it's a really serious, serious uh, situation and, and, and the criminal violence. Yes. Uh, and the police are looking into this. Yes, that's true. And, and, and the same phone pay a visit to, uh, in person to the uh, police station because there has a Chinese speaking uh, police officer, so easier to deal with that situation with him. Yeah. The officer really very serious about that because they, they follow in the definition for death threat because they use a slaughter and, and uh, that word's... Pretty clearly a death threat there. That, uh, yeah, that that's not not have the vague border or just uh, around the borderline. No, exactly death threat. Yeah, so they're going to try to trace that and the cops are taking it seriously. So, yeah. But I, I want to keep like unraveling this because it, it just gets more and more interesting and it's not an isolated incident. I mean, also... Yeah. 
Another columnist wrote a response uh, to what happened when the Chinese foreign minister was here, uh, Gao Bingchen, okay. a, a columnist for the Global Chinese Press in Burnaby, B.C. Yeah. And, uh, and that columnist was then fired. Yes, that's true. Why did that happen? This person, the columnist in Vancouver, Bernabe, he, for, for 11 years, involved in the column in the global Chinese press. Yeah. It's based there. So he also like free uh, ideas and enjoy the freedom of uh, expression. Uh, uh, so he stay here and deliver his writings and comment whatever situations in the Chinese community back in the China for these uh, political issues or political incidents there. Since he received the information or got the news about the Mr. Wang Yi's uh, as, uh, as a bad behavior, a bad performance as a, as a diplomat from China, so he gave him, uh, maybe give him a hard time. I did not read exactly the original version of the uh, uh, Mr. Gao's uh, criticism. However, I read his Demokili article about Mr. Michael Chen. This is a Crown Minister of Ontario, Crown Minister. Now he holding the office's international trade. Previously, he was a Minister of the Citizenship, Immigration, and International Trade. Okay, so he had previously criticized Michael Chen, the uh, member of provincial parliament here in, in Ontario, and those two incidents combined led to him being fired. And in fact, he says that when he asked his his boss uh, why he was fired, his editor said, some people don't want to see your name in the newspaper. That's true. And they, and they said, you could write under a pen name, but some people don't want to see your name in the newspaper. Now, this takes us to Michael Chan. Michael Chan is somebody who you have written about as well. Yes. So this is where we need to give some, some uh, background on, on what happened to Helen Wang, yeah. the former editor at the Canadian Chinese Post. She published a piece by you. Yes, by me. <laughs> where you chastise Michael Chan. I'll try to summarize what I understand you wrote and you tell me if I've got it right. Okay. So Michael Chan was in a very strange set of communications from CSIS. CSIS said that yes. they had been basically investigating yeah. a couple of elected officials feeling that they were under influence by Beijing. You are right. And the Globe and Mail reported that one of those elected officials was Michael Chan. That's true. And Michael Chan is now suing the Globe and Mail for saying that. that. Yes, so far. Um, Michael Chan is in the Kathleen Wynne cabinet here in Ontario. She says that, that there's no substance to these allegations. CSIS didn't even investigate. They were just sort of looking at him. Even the previous government, uh, Mac- uh, McGinty. right. Yeah. Uh, and, back, and back through McGinty. Michael Chan completely denies this. He's suing the Globe and Mail. Um, and in fact, Michael Chan said in response to these allegations, that it was not just a smear against him, but it is a, yeah, a yeah. racist smear against the Chinese people yeah. of Canada. So that, that it basically is causing people to, to question the loyalty of, of Canadian Chinese citizens. Yeah. If I understand what you wrote correctly, you said that's ridiculous for him to play the race card like that. This is about Michael Chan. This is not... Uh, that's right. That's, that's my position. That Actually, position. I think for Michael Chan, that just used the Chinese community as a hostage. He took, so he took against, the community hostage. Uh-huh. He just used or even fused the Chinese uh, concerns about... I will say even some veteran uh, overseas uh, Chinese here, they say, oh, let's say we still haven't uh, forget that uh, early 50s, last century, incidents happened in, in mainstream. They hate Chinese. So they, they think 
people sub- suspicious about the Chinese loyalty. So I don't agree with that. I say, hey, you are just you. You are the person. Even I think CSIS really concerned about your behavior because he care about you. You are high ranked official. You are crown minister. You have certain film confidential and sensitive information around you. If you do not pay much more conscious conscience to keep a distance from these some other sources. You really in danger, and when you in danger, your reputation, your future is gone. But the security of the country also under danger. Right, that it's you're saying that it's it's fair to ask whether or not he's yeah. influenced. So uh, and, and even, the, yeah, so you wrote your opinion about yeah. Michael Chen. Yeah, it sounds like a legitimate point of view to me. Yeah, what happened? Next to you with uh, this paper. To the, me, the I don't think it's a visible something impact on me because I'm a freelance person. Also, I have my uh, career like a paralegal. Yeah, and I'm busy around the uh, court in and out. <laughs> However, the uh, Helen, Miss Helen Wang, your is editor, a victim. She lost her job, and and, and she tells a story of being uh, surveyed at work and slowly frozen out. Yes, um, you are right, true. So, uh, and she believes that this is because she, and, and, and in fact. Definitely not believe exactly, this is the fact. This is a fact. And well, I, I can tell you what is a fact that was a public fact. When yeah. your writing disappeared in the wake of, uh, of, of your editor's departure, it was replaced with columns by Michael Chan. Yes. Yes. The space was occupied by Michael's contribution. Afterwards, the newspaper just temporarily closed. So let's talk about what is underlying all of these different occasions of columnists losing their jobs, of people getting death threats. Yeah. 51.ca, uh, I don't know exactly what's going on behind the scenes there. You say the editor wanted to smooth things over. The Canadian Chinese Post, the global Chinese press, why would all of these different Canadian publications be under influence by Beijing? What possible influence could Beijing have over independent Canadian press? Or let's just say Canadian press. Yeah, yeah. I think there are two aspects in France. One from inside. They still think there's Chinese subject, not Canadian citizen. So the people still have think they're not like independent identity. They have some belong the subject. As I was used to say, they still think they are Chinese subject. If you live in the Chinese community, you smell and feel and hear his image, his voice. Who's his who's image? Who's Ch- Chinese regime. The Chinese regime. Yeah. I mean, just to kind of connect these dots in a very practical sense, the uh, Canadian Chinese Post, I think it used to be Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that's in the history, yes. It used true. to be called the Red Army Post, yeah, right? Yeah, that, that's, I've been here for uh, more than 20 years. I read that newspaper, China Canada Post. Yeah. And have uh, inserted in the People's Daily Overseas Devotion. The People's the, Daily gives most of the content, which is government That's government organs. From Beijing. From Beijing, And yes. then they have some local Canadian... Um, that, that, that's a local People's Daily, so I call it. Inserted the, the, the Chinese edition. That deliver uh, overseas edition deliver in among the and if you go to their office here in Toronto, it is also the office of the Confederation of Toronto Canadian Chinese Organizations, yeah, which CSIS calls an agent of influence for Beijing, That's and true. and the proprietors are one and the same. Yeah, so there's there there seems to be a very direct ownership proprietary relationship there to Beijing. You can uh, use the 
a connection anyhow. Yeah, I can see the connection on the book, the, I mean, a continuum book, or you can see the cash flow from there, from here, but you cannot catch that. Uh, people smart also, and you cannot catch, but you can feel that. You can feel it. Because the uh, the head of the CT, the Chinese... The, the CTCCO. CTCCO's president, he is the uh, supermarket chain owner. He used that word to say, if you don't carry such kind of news reports like we appreciate, we don't provide you uh-huh. ads. Right. So you may see that. Uh-huh. So they just hold your throat. Say, hey, you listen, you don't listen, no, no food for you. So I think the influence is, if I understand it properly, it's because... Many Canadian Chinese have relatives in China. Many Canadian Chinese do business with China. Yes. And then if we could take this, uh, some of these organizations actually have yeah. direct links. Your theory is that there's actually a psychological sense of- This uh, is one also, like you mentioned, that they have the relationships back in China because of the motherland. Uh-huh. So uh, the power there still use that benefit or advantage, use that to put, put pressure on you. If you go back to the business, yes, you can get a good deal, big deal as benefit for your own interest. You can get a better However, deal. However, you have to deal with, for these guys, I mean, back in China, they're very much politics-oriented. They think their identity should be spread out in the world. You can use economical price to buy these kind of things to do in exchange. Right. Well, the, the conflation of, of economics with politics seems to be blurred to the point of being indistinguishable. Like, like the, the PRC as a political party, but also representing uh, China as a economic superpower, it seems yeah, to be that yeah. if, you're, if you're in good with Beijing, you can do business with China. And yes. it's sort of yes. one and the same. Yes. Uh, it, it is disturbing, though, to like, sense that this is almost like trumping our autonomy to have a free expression of ideas. I mean, I know a lot of Chinese people who came here because they're fleeing, uh, yeah, the, or their fathers were fleeing the People's Revolution. They were they were they were in prison. They were you know uh, yeah. they, they, they were rebels against what was happening. How much of this actually reflects what Canadian Chinese people? And I don't mean to suggest no, that Canadian even, Chinese people think one thing. Even Jesse, but where are the sympathies at? Not only sympathy. It's so funny. Like I, I always use that word to say the Stockholm syndrome. Mm-hmm. Even right. these people you mentioned, they be experience oppression. When they fled here, when you get a, a decent living up here, they still goes back. Like I use the word patriotism. Patriotism, patriotism, uh, or yeah. loyalty to the motherland. Yeah, that they are uh, sympathetic towards their own oppressors, their own kidnappers. Yeah. But then I was reading um, and just trying to gauge whether. I mean, look, if it's a fact that a lot of uh, Canadian Chinese people are allied with Beijing, sympathetic to Beijing, uh, then you know maybe the press is just re- reflecting the views of the people. But I'm not sure. There there was some reporting from the Globe and Mail saying that um, talk radio says that 80% of the people who've been calling in were also critical of Michael Chan. Jason Kenney uh, yeah. said that he was at a Michael Chan event where he was speaking to a Chinese audience in uh, yeah. speaking in, in Mandarin. You cannot speak much more uh, cap- uh, competently speak Mandarin, but he picked up his Mandarin uh-huh. Uh, very much. And he uh, said, uh, it was translated for Jason Kenney, he said, long live the motherland. 
Yeah, I think so. I according think to Jason Kenney, that's what he said. According to the Jason Kenney, even though you, according to the uh, journalist from Xinhua News Agency, uh, that's uh, back in the history when uh, Michael Chen was uh, invited to stand on the forum uh, to watch the uh, national uh, parade. Uh, for uh-huh. the, he, he just said, hey, how strong uh, my motherland Maybe that's outside of the purview of this podcast to figure out whether or not CSIS's suspicions about Michael Chan are, are uh, <laughs> valid or not. But, um, you know, this is tricky stuff to talk about. It's tricky that's stuff it. for the non-Chinese uh, language Canadian press to, to because nobody wants to be called a racist, right? Yeah. And we're in a moment right now where nobody wants to question the loyalties of Canadian Chinese people. Uh, that's a very dangerous precedent with with historical... Yeah, well, some people think about the, the last century, 50s area, even in the, in the, in the U.S., having such a political pressure on the, uh, the citizens. Sure. Yeah. No. Red scare stuff. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, but, you know, we're in a moment right now where it's it seems to be kind of... Um, Crossing over into issues of foreign ownership of property in Vancouver and to a lesser extent in, in yeah, Toronto. Yeah, this is not like isolated that you can look at. So like you may see all the good timing or what coincidentally. No, I don't think you can see the invisible control uh-huh. from somewhere. <laughs> well, it's a it's a it's a massive global economic superpower, and you can just st- st- Stefan Dion like standing there dumbfounded. Yeah. You know, you feel Canada needs to have a yeah, decent economic relationship. Yeah, in comparison with the worldwide view, and the Vancouver and Toronto, it's not like far from each other, right? <laughs> so. What is your sense of uh, is the Stockholm syndrome that you refer to is still alive and well with younger Canadian Chinese? Or? I don't think for the youngers because they grew up here and yeah. receive the education and they think their identity belong to Canada. Yeah. Not like they think for my son, he uh, in, uh, brought in there here at 11 years old and at uh, that time when he gave the uh, primary education, the secondary, at uh, that time he think, oh, I'm Chinese. Now I ask him, where you belong to? He's so I Canadian. Yeah. Now even he moved to the U.S. Now working in the U.S. It's very typical. To say I'm Canadian. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> there's no there's no hangover there or so or, now or, now or come fear. Back to your, yeah, Jesse, come back to your question. Say, uh-huh. hey, the Stockholm uh, Stockholm syndrome. The group is like newcomers, the first generation. Yeah. Like the people have education received in China. They get adulthood spent in China, then come over here, that's Im- immigrants. And also, these influence from overseas work on these people. And they want to show their good performance, their loyalty, their uh, patriotism. Yeah. Towards that, they're very much involved. Uh-huh. So they're, they're to give the, the death threats to the Xinfeng, I think that should be under such kind of a background that well can understand that. Eh? And that makes a certain amount of sense. There's aspects of this that are more concerning just in a, a practical life. There's a news story that I don't think we fully understand yet. When we see uh, these, these sort of unsettled questions about Michael Chan and he had these two aides, mm-hmm. one of whom was uh, had a background in setting up protests and counter protests and another aide who was had a background in removing anti-Beijing criticism from the internet yeah and he hired them yeah. uh, as minister here and and then uh, one of them is now a press secretary for Kathleen Wynne. yes that's in the cabinet office yes 
Um, and Michael Chan, of course, received criticism for uh, working with the Confucius Institute. Yeah, um, that, that's all things in the newspaper. It's true. Yeah, the Globe is, has, has, has been sort of diligently reporting this and facing yeah. uh, litigation as a result. I don't want to go on some sort of mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. paranoid uh, tangent, but can someone ex- like can you explain to me what these connections are or, or whether or not they're a cause for concern? I don't think uh, we have talking about something that personally, but however, since Michael Chan is a public p- person and he is uh, is elected officer, yeah, I don't think he is like belong to the personal perspective. So everything belong to his. I think we put on the table to talk about. Sure, he's an elected official. We can talk about these yes. things. Yes, for example, just mention one of the his staffers as very good. Uh, uh, the pen as a writer this. Even under his name and the contributions, I can guess, I dare to say, from the person. Now, he is the person led a uh, Chinese, uh, uh, Ch- Chinese Canadians or Chinese immigrants go to the uh, Parliament Hill uh-huh. and uh, waving the Chinese national flag more than Canadian national flag against the uh, Tibetan independence flag. Uh-huh. So that means, so I, I think they called that incident in the newspaper as reflecting such kind of a demonstration once took place in the Parliament Hill. Loading the CSIC, hey, this is still on the Canadian soil. <laughs> Why you see a red seas of flags? Uh-huh. Not like a maple red. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so he led a, a pro-Beijing uh, pro, uh, kind of yeah. counter-protest when there were when there were people who were protesting Tibetan about Tibetan Tibet. freedom. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And and now he's he's hired by the so, government. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Not high by government. Yes, you may say high by government, but high by the Michael Chan. Uh, by Michael office. Chan, right? Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Are there avenues, Jonathan, in the Canadian Chinese press, uh, I, which you know we've talked about three examples, yeah. 51.ca, Canadian Chinese Post, Global Chinese Press. Uh, I think that a lot of people don't realize just how vibrant and how the circulation numbers are so big. Like There's this whole other press uh, in the Chinese language press. There's a whole other press in the foreign language press in Canada. It's something that we want to do a better job of talking about. We talk about columnists like yourselves and, and – um, Xin Feng losing their voice in these publications and the influence, does that mean that there isn't a voice? Are there are there other places that we're not even talking about? Is it a, a varied media scene? Okay. Now, if you feel back in the focus back to the Chinese community, really the press space is diminished so much. You you can feel the walls against you. Uh-huh. You cannot stretch your arms out. You still have something registered you. I tell you the the, the general a uh, uh, picture of the uh, the uh, the circulation newspaper circulation or media circulation in Chinese community. Actually, there are three daily papers, two paid, and one is uh, for free. That's Epoch Time is yeah. for free. The other two paid. Now, just back to the the press conference recently held about the the Xin Feng's uh, incident. Yeah, the death threats. No news report in uh-huh. Chinese community. Nobody showed up from the Chinese community. And uh, no news newspaper report. Right, right. No, no, no Chinese press. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even like to pay the daily, they didn't touch it. One always don't touch that things death uh, to uh, to this such kind such kind of incidents. The other one, touch enough, touch enough, enough. Just like on the borderline. 
they have hesitant hesitance. I can see that. Who's that? That's a mean Botelli. He once touch it, and now about this time he don't want to do it. Yeah. They don't the chief of uh, the editing chief said we we don't touch a topic. Right. Even usually a reporter assigned to such kind of uh, scenes uh, events. On that special day, she got very a normal assignment. Ask her to stay half a day in the province uh, parliament to get some report. Just isolate her. So can say that so far, no news uh, circulation weekly or daily papers to report Xinfeng's news conference in uh-huh. Chinese community. What about the Epoch Times? Epoch is, is exceptional, you know, because he based on the Falun Gong. Yes, Falun Gong, these guys, now is a public enemy in Chinese community because Chinese communists against them defend offend the Falun Gong. We see them uh, uh, protesting almost every day in yeah. these peaceful protests or just, yes. in front of the Chinese Consul General. Or, yeah, or in some some corner of the uh, mall in Chinese community. Yeah, weekly. So they're. The public enemy in the Chinese communist eyes, so his subjects don't love them. Uh-huh. But however, the Epoch Times, because it's a free uh, circulation, so still have the big uh, 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 circulation. People, people read it, yeah. People read it. Jonathan, thank you. No problem. Quick note before I close the show today. We asked Minister Michael Chan to come on the show and respond to some of the things you heard today. He chose not to appear on the show, but he did provide a written statement. I will read it now. From Minister Michael Chan. I have released several statements regarding my ongoing litigation with the Globe and Mail. I have attached them to this email, and I have no further comment on that matter. We'll put those statements up on our website, by the way, if you want to read them. Uh, Continuing with Michael Chan's statement, your request mentioned the comments made by Jason Kenney that were reported in the Globe and Mail on June 8, 2016. Mr. Kenney's comments related to things he claims to have witnessed at a Chinese cultural event are categorically false and completely untrue. The events he described simply did not occur. As a Canadian, I support the press freedoms guaranteed by our Constitution and believe they should be upheld and defended. However, freedom of the press does not equate to a license to defame. That's your Canada Land Show. I hope you liked it. You can email me anytime. I'm at jesse at canadalandshow.com and I will read what you send me and I'll respond when I can. We're on Twitter at CanadaLand. Our website is CanadaLandShow.com. Our crowdfunding site is Patreon.com slash CanadaLand. CanadaLand Commons is off this week because Kevin Sexton, the show's producer, is on his honeymoon. Congratulations, Kevin and Jess. It will be back next week. CanadaLand Shortcuts will be up on Thursday. I make this show with Katie Jensen. We syndicate the show for free, for free to community and campus radio stations across the country, and Russell Gragg takes care of that. If you like what we do, please support us. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.